Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, <laughs> it would be a wolf's fun, eh? I'm going full. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. It's Richard Hobbs here. Uh, we're bringing you once again our thoughts on uh and i was gonna say another wolves defeat um on today i'm joined by Stu and andy guys i don't know about you but i feel like after the culmination for, for build-up of the whole transfer deadline day we all bought into it it was a bit of a come down right it was a bit of a very much a crashing back down to earth <laughs> if we're being realistic yeah, think, in, in only a way that Wolves can do it, they really reminded us why things have been a bit miserable lately. See, after after our deadline day streaming and the Kelpie cement drink that was taken that night, I was kind of regretting not going to Celeste, and I, I was on an iron because I had access to a couple of tickets. So I thought, shall I do it? And then watching that game and that performance, and then hearing the tales of woe of people trying to get home again. Um, no, I'm glad I stayed at home. I've done it, I've done it too many times, yeah. I'm not doing it anymore, especially mm. not on Sundays. <laughs> Hurt one too many times, Stu. Well, I tried to work it, um, I tried to work let, it out let, the other let, day. Let's start from th- the beginning, guys. I think I've been there eight times altogether, eight or nine times, <laughs> and what was it, three wins at that time? Right back in a hat trick, three defeats in a row. Just no, mm, awful, awful shit it? all. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, I mean, not not to sound bitter, <laughs> but we are. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I was gonna say, if it almost felt like um, a bit Groundhog Day, you know, we struggled at the back, tried to implement a new system. And then looked a bit toothless going forward at times as well. Uh, so, yeah, this might be a bit of a repeat podcast, guys. If you just wind back to any time in the last sort of 18 months, but we'll find something fresh, we'll find something interesting to talk about. We always do. Um, but let, let's go for starting lineup because I, I was really curious to see what um Gary O'Neill would do, considering how well everyone played midweek, uh, the new signings, if any of them could actually. You know, feature the fact that you know um, Enzo was on the bench, you know, indicated that there might have been that opportunity um, for some of those players to come in. But it was quite a predictable lineup when push came to shove at the end, wasn't it, Andy? 
It was. And and to be honest, as soon as I saw that lineup, I'd sort of lost any faith that had been given to me from the uh, transfer deadline day. It was exactly the same team that we've picked in the other three games this season. So I thought, well, if you're going to keep going with the same team, there's not really going to be that big change that is sort of needed in the lineup to really spark us into uh, into life. So, uh, yeah, it, it was what it was, but I think we sort of... We would have been rushing the new signings to get them in. I think, obviously, they only signed on Thursday and Friday and then trying to get them in the team might have been a little bit too quick. But it wasn't the most inspiring lineup, realistically speaking. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like the, say, a, a heart versus head situation in terms of playing for those new players. Um, because, you know, it is quite literally like your shiny new toy. Um, you get it Christmas and just wanted to play it straight away. And I think a lot of the transfer deadline day, because it happened so late, you know, Matt Hobbs strikes me as someone who hides presence, like behind the tree, under the sofa, <laughs> and go, here you go, here you go. You thought we didn't get you anything, but we did. And then he's turned out he's forgotten to get the batteries. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have the scissors to cut away the stupid fucking plastic. Um, and we've kind of ended up, here once again but we've got a couple of weeks anyway um i feel bad because it feels like i'm procrastinating don't want to talk about the game um but it wasn't i don't think it was as bad as some people made out i don't think it was this hellscape of a game like <laughs> the collapse against brighton and parts against everything it wasn't that bad was it stupid don't I'm, i feel like i'm still got a bit of optimism left in my bones but it wasn't absolutely dire stuff particularly first half right no i, I was i mean after all all the stuff that we slagged off i mean me personally slagged off fabio for not being able to play up front on his own i think that was kind of proved again yesterday um but again we've been told we were told by in his rogue interview that sasha couldn't wouldn't be up to speed straight away anyway so this is always going to be the case that we've got literally no choice with to play fabio silver up there um, but with Kunio off, it didn't work at Everton. Um, but if you take take the forward line out of things, um, I thought the rest of the team in the first half was pretty good. And we get the ball moving well. Um, it's not other than Jose saw having his little moment, as he will. Uh, but other than that, you could hear through the daddy that they, their fans were getting frustrated with them because we were keeping the ball, which... <laughs> you're away from home, that's kind of all you would want to do, really. And this is where we are going forward anyway and, and scoring goals at all. Um, making sure that they don't score has <laughs> got to be your job 101, really. But the fact that we got ourselves into such good chance for positions again and the final ball never came. And then you look at the amount of times Neto was doing this in particular, had the ball in a prime position to just cross it over. And he didn't do it. And you had the whole thing, the whole horseshoe nonsense that we had last season as well, coming back on ourselves and going down the other flank and then coming back again. And yet, in the last minute of the game, he puts the perfect cross into Cunha, who heads it in. You think, well, where's this been all the last 93 minutes? You're on your favourite side, which did surprise me, to be honest. And we kind of mentioned it on um, on Thursday, on Friday as well, but Will he play Neto on the left after how ineffective he was for his cross for uh, Sasha Everton? And he did. And it, 
Neto in particular looked much better on the left. That just meant on the right, there was no one there. Yes. I mean, to be fair, let, let's talk forwards because um, uh, you, you've mentioned half them, to be honest with you. And I think they've all, they all deserve a bit of a talking point. I mean, call me shocked that Neto played better in his better position on the left wing. <laughs> Like, I mean, that, four, that, that, four that, games in. Yeah, that that's a standout. And you mentioned about um, Silva and Kuna. Um, who scored, uh, dropped their average player position graphic um, for the match. For those who are watching on YouTube, big shout out. Make sure you like and subscribe, of course. And for those who are listening on podcast, just head over to who scored or go onto YouTube and do the repeated instruction. Anyway, um, the graphic, as you can sort of see, Neto's arguably our furthest forward player, He's playing left uh, left wing, um, very natural position. But you have very much got Kuna playing ahead of Silver, and I feel I don't know if it's an eye test sort of thing or, or what, but it almost doesn't feel like that's for right way round for those players. And I I know that Silver played a bit deeper for PSV last season, for example, but something just doesn't quite sit right with it, does it, Andy? No, absolutely not. I mean, if you look at that graphic, there's two things that immediately sprung out to me on that graphic. Sarabia is on Tomato's toes there. So there's just nothing really going forward on mm. the right-hand side. And if you look at where Silver's average position is, he's pretty much taking up the position that Ryan Aitnori can be taking. Mm. And I don't want my... And he should be a striker, not a forward. He should be the one dragging us up the pitch. I don't want him getting in the way of our left back that just seems absurd to me <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all how they've sort of come to that but that that's just a massive gap on the right hand side there there was just nothing coming down that that side of things it was either going to come down the left or not at all and in the end i think both of our goals these come from <laughs> left-hand positions didn't they so i think that yeah. does go to show but yeah sarabia yeah, i mean so, sorry to move on slightly but sarabia He's not a right winger. I, I don't think he's really a left winger either. If he's going to be playing, he needs to be more central. And if you're going to have him central, you then can't have Cunha and Silva on the pitch as well with him. I think you, you're playing three players who are very similar to each other um, in Cunha, Sarabia and Fabio. Not mm. not in terms of player, but in the position that they take up or they prefer to take up. And we saw at Old Trafford how Cunha was driving from deep. And that's in that game alone is where he's got his dribbling stats up from. Because he was superb in doing that. And yet we were on the back foot a lot of the time. So naturally, you are going to be deeper. But if that's his game, just play him in midfield. <laughs> it doesn't, it's like, well, he seems, he doesn't seem to be able to score with his feet. And his header was superb, to be fair to him. Yeah. Um, but he seems like his feet fall off when he gets a chance to shoot. And I just obviously new signings is going to solve that, but again, like Sarabia, I mean, it's kind of a, a bit of a running joke. And the fact, the fact that they're putting front and center on, on the uh, on the lineup graphic was a bit bit of a little chuckle at Dan's expense. Um, <laughs> but again, he never got the ball to him, and when the, the ball was constantly going to Neto anyway, and when he did go over to him, he's not going to beat anyone for pace, obviously, because of his age, the kind of player he is. So you either switch it quickly, which never happened, or when that did happen, it was Samedo who was the target. 
it just seemed baffling why you had you'd have three players who want to drop into that same space. Yeah, it 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 just doesn't feel like it works. I know um, Gary O'Neill said as much thing after the Everton win. I don't think it was after Blackpool sort of saying, you know, I'm still trying to, you know, get follow what I want them to do. But then when you look at graphics like that, and it just looks awkward and you can kind of clearly sort of see where the problem is and i'm not saying oh we need to go back to having a diamond trial right <laughs> but it feels like we have got three players who they're kind of just pushing into a team at the moment and again i think one of the, i guess the downsides of the formation that we're playing and shoehorning one of those forward players in is i do think we lose a little bit of something in midfield um, and I, I, I think that Gomez and Amina played all right, but I feel like we do need an ex- we, we need the runner coming from there rather than that fourth man up front in a way because they all just kind of don't quite operate in the right fashion. And, or, may, I don't know, maybe four, two, three, one's the way to go, but actually, we need Sasa Klapanich because uh, up front. Because let's be honest, he's not going to be occupying the space that Silver is on the heat on you know on a heat map, is he? No. I hope not. He's, he's kind of what we need. We need mm, a striker yeah. who's actually does their actual proper job and doesn't piss about mm. and doesn't almost play on the halfway line for no reason at all. And I mean you saw there, I mean put that thing back up again. And you look where Lamina is as well. Look where Lamina is in relation to Fabio, how close they are together. That shouldn't mm. be happening. And I thought I thought Lamina had his had probably his best game in Wolfshit in that first half. I thought he was immense. Um, yeah. But again, we've got someone in Joe Gomez who we all saw how he can run with the ball as well. And he but he doesn't do it, does he? He's like like we've turned him into the whole pit bull thing. And it, it's almost like he's not allowed to actually play. He's like he's there for his tough tackling, and that is all. It all seems a bit bizarre. He did one little nice run in the first half and then he had a shot, which I think he <laughs> arguably shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how things kind of change over the, um, I guess, over the next couple of weeks, to be honest. And I, I know we we say this a lot and it's a question I was going to sort of probably try and bring up to you guys later, but, you know, Gary O'Neill's got a decent amount of stock at the moment. And he's got a decent amount of leeway in terms of the job he has been given. And I think under the circumstances, he's probably done about as well as you'd expect. Maybe we should have had one or two more points on the board. But he needs this opportunity now. He needs these two weeks because I think, as you uh, noted earlier, Stu, our, our next kind of run of five or six games, <laughs> it get, it gets tricky after the next sort of two mm. or three, doesn't it? So we need to do something quite quickly. Um, on to the game. First half in particular, it had a really heated element to it, and we were a couple of silly and or bizarre bookings uh, for both of our fullbacks. <sighs> I, I, I genuinely don't, <clears throat> don't quite understand either one. I know um, we had a comment on YouTube on uh, Twitter, sorry, um, from Matt Wolf saying our soft bookings really affecting us um, as games go on, and I, I, I do agree with that because it can be sloppy, but. Some of the inconsistencies yesterday was were, were frustrating. Mm, very much so. I mean, that's the one. 
I mean, it was just a tangle of legs. There was no malice in it. It wasn't really stopping them breaking or, or anything that dangerous. I've no idea why he booked him for that. The Oignori one, I think he probably should have been booked, but I also think uh, you should have been because he was very much the instigator in the handbags. Because let's call it if, what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't think either of them deserved a red card, nor did either of them deserve no um, cautioning. But what I was doing was like far worse mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, of really pushing the, um, the situation. And I don't, I think, you know, you had. Um, Anderson had a handball where he basically slapped the ball from not getting past him. I said, yeah, no booking. Like, okay. Fair and that was just after we ate Norway one. And then um, uh, Palace had a VAR check for a penalty, which was one of the most clearly obvious dives I've seen in a long time on Eze. <laughs> he was going to ground before um, Gomez was. And it was Gomez, yeah. Across. Yeah, he was going to ground before Gomez was near him, let alone the minute contact that there may have been. I'm not even convinced there was any contact at all, to be honest. I mean, it took until that last view, though, didn't it? I mean, from the one angle, it looked like he had stood on his foot. But it took that one angle where he could clearly see where his foot landed and it was nowhere near him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, this is against us. This is obviously going to be a penalty. Um but again, it's another floor of the system where you can't go back and book someone for diving. Well, he should have booked like him that. anyway. But he should have booked him because he knew it wasn't a penalty and he's gone down very easily. So is that not a booking anymore? They're supposed to be cracking down on people cheating and giving back talk and what have you. But it, like I say, it's so inconsistent the way that they've been approaching it. I think the way that the refs are taking the, the hard line, it's going to come back to bite him on the arse because it's only going to take one or two where they don't do it. And you can say, well, you booked him because he took, you know, 20 seconds to take a throw in. He's taken 30 seconds. Where's the book in there? And it's that inconsistency that's going to creep back in like it does every single time there's a new (laughs) edict. And then it's going to be in the papers and we'll be back to square one. They need to have a hard line and stick to it. And they just never do. And that's why there's no respect for the officials because they haven't earned it. There was one last week where someone got booked. I think it was either last week or the week before where someone got booked at Arsenal for um, for delaying a, a goal kick. But then when you actually yeah. looked at it, and there was someone, there was an Arsenal player in their penalty area. So, yeah. <laughs> but nothing happened. Nothing because it, it can't be retrospectively changed for yellow cards. Which is, <laughs> I know why because it just opens up a, a can of chaos. But <sighs> the whole thing is. is it's already stopped because we had a few occasions yesterday where they were taking a bit longer than normal for throw-ins. Yet last week and the week before, people were being booked straight away for that. Well, so it's gone now already, has it? It's lasted three weeks. Yeah. It's the Lamina Southampton red card, isn't it? It's already yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think I understand why they're trying to take a hard line on it. I actually agree to a degree, because it's one of my biggest frustrations, the whole sort of chatting back to the refs type thing. But I think it doesn't quite marry up with the severeness of the yellow card, because you don't just get a yellow card for any minor foul. It's quite easy to get them. And if you're making it even easier to get them, then it makes the punishment actually 
come along a hell of a lot quicker and you've almost got to tread on toes a lot more. You know, like I was sort of thinking in compared to rugby, and it's a doll, it's like harder to get a yellow card, but the punishment is more severe in terms of going to a sim bin. Mm. And I'm not saying, oh, Wolves, you know, the Premier League or whoever should introduce this a sim bin because it's easier to get yellow cards now or whatever. But it's like that, that is a one. You know, we, they looked at it and they've kind of gone, oh, it's not a penalty. He's dived. It's like, oh, says, okay, fair, fair enough. Let's let's play on. No, no penalty. It's like, no, it's not. It's, the decision isn't that it's no penalty. The decision should be he dived. Mm. And if, if yeah. they've taken if they've taken the time to look at the decision, they can take the time to actually assess that situation. In my opinion, I'm not saying you know do it for all decisions, but actually if he's if if they've looked at it enough, it's like going ah, oh, yeah, no, he, he hasn't. Uh, you know, oh yeah, it's not a penalty. Anything else about it? No, no. Mm. Um, mm. But instantly in that box, there was another bizarre moment with um jose sar who had as you he had his moment of the day <laughs> um is playing it out from the back something that suits all wolves players it doesn't suit half the league i don't <laughs> i mean i had this this, this comment earlier in the group chat that i i get it i get the idea behind it but just because man city do something doesn't mean everyone has to copy them but every time this happens, every time you want to play this way, you're asking for trouble. And it happens. It's happened to Edison. It's happened to Allison. We've seen them concede goals from this pissing about nonsense that happens all the time. And the rewards from it don't happen for us anyway. We'll go. We'll, you watch it the next, in two weeks' time. Watch what actually happens. We'll pass it around. It'll come back. It'll go wide. And then they'll boot it down the line. So you've effectively wasted, what, 40 seconds of passing between each other, and then you've booted it long anyway. And that happens not just for Wolves. It happens for the vast majority of teams in the, in the league because they're not good enough. They haven't got the players who, who actually have got the, the footballing brains to run into space and manipulate the ball properly, like teams like Liverpool and Man City and, and teams who and Arsenal as well, to be fair to them most of the time. But every time you're playing this way, you are asking for trouble, and it will bite you in the arse. And with Wolves, it happens every week, at least once. But it's not just us. Everyone does it. But we just don't have the... We, we don't gain from it. So I just... I, I personally would just sack it off. Because it, it doesn't work. And this is not a, a Yudar thing. Because I do appreciate what they're trying to do. But we can't do it. Because it's not just Sar can't pass the ball to people. Because he that one was a complete cock-up. He wasn't looking who was behind whoever he passed it to. But... Again, you look at it from his point of view, you're being told you've got to play it from the back, yeah, which is fine. If you then go along and you get bollocked for it, then that's on you. But if you try and implement what you're being told to do and no fuckers coming running for the ball or giving you an option, what are you supposed to do? It didn't happen again. The, yeah, it didn't happen again for the rest of the game, did it? And it, Bentley did exactly the same mm. thing against Blackpool and we, in, we nearly got caught there as well. So it's not just Saar, it's the club playing this silly way. It's just it just puts them under unnecessary pressure. Mm. I think it's it's the way to play football at the tippy top of the game. <laughs> but we're nowhere near that, are we? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the likes of, like you say, your Man City's, your, your Arsenal's, 
pretty much every player in their defence could quite easily be converted into a midfielder because they're so composed on the ball. We've got Craig Dawson and and, and Max <laughs> Kilman. Like these things are not the same. They, I don't say they're cloggers because that's doing them a disservice, but they're not that level where they can just pick out a pass or dink it over a player and create space. We're never going to do that. Not with the players we've got. And I would love to see us be able to do it effectively and beat the press. But we just haven't got the players to do it. And and then, as you say, it just ends up working itself wide. And then you just lump it forward. And then it's a 50-50 on whether or not you're going to win that. So we kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't, I think, ultimately, with it all. Something that occurred to me is, I'm not saying that there's a new tactic for it, but this guys get paid an awful lot of money and frankly have a decent amount of time to train on these things and i'm not saying like oh you'll you because a lot of it's systems and pattern related in terms of oh right when we get it right inside so and so you know dawson goes here somebody goes here the ball goes out to him and we all kind of shuffle around and i know there's external variables with the opposition players and stuff like that but there's only a finite amount of space. So, mate, you know, am I being silly by sort of saying, well, you know, go through, you know, try and play it short, get it back to Dawson. Uh, so get back to Saar, who's hopefully got a bit more space or whatever. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm rambling on trying to create a new method to take goal kicks here, is where I'm going. Well, with it. But well Brighton there, there, did yeah, Brighton did There's it. No Brighton, Brighton's defenders, Brighton's defenders were taking short goal kicks to their keeper against us. And mm. that's that's a complete different level of chaos and madness because, but none of our players went and closed it down, did they? It, they they were still doing it, on near a full time. They the whole game, no one closed them down to stop them doing it, and they were tipping tapping around the edge of the their own six yard box with a keeper receiving goal kicks. This is this is the kind of levels you're talking about. Where but again, you probably are right, Rich. They've been coached to do that by the Serbi. They didn't do that under Potter, mm-hmm. not not to that extent. But again, do you want to spend all your time coaching goal kicks when you've got other? We've got bigger <laughs> problems to look at. Yeah, I think, <laughs> and I think with them though as well, it's it's almost like a speed of thought thing, where you can they can clearly pass mm. the ball to each other because they do it all the, all week long for two three hours a day. But it's that. Speed of thought, the turn of pace. That's what's lacking because we just haven't got the players to do it. Yeah. Um, should we talk goals, guys? Yeah, if we must. We'll skip well, let's get let's skip the palace ones. I don't want to <laughs> No, we we sort of need to, and I think I, I guess instead of kind of going through them individually. I feel like we probably should talk player perspective, and it, it, a lot it comes down to a defence. Let's be honest, guys. And I think the two players who have kind of caught the most slack um, for the goals have been Nelson Smedo and Max Kilman. I mean, it feels like now that Matt Doty's back, if <laughs> Nelson Smedo does anything wrong, and I mean anything. There are now calls for Matt Doherty to come back in, and I'm not necessarily saying he shouldn't come back in, but I do feel like it, it, it's slight harsh saying that. I think he could have done a lot better with the majority of the goals. 
I mean, the the first one, first one yesterday. You look at where he's standing when the ball's played to him. Oh no, no problem with that. He probably should have got out, got as soon as the ball gets to before it's crossed over. He should get there quicker. But again, like we said last week or two weeks ago, you have to look at the quality of the finishing. Sometimes we mm. would never in a million years score that first goal. Never, because the ball mm. was perfect, and the the striker instinct to get in in that in that situation in the first place, let alone finish it like we, he did. Yeah. We wouldn't do that. That never happened for Wolves. It was just it was a great goal from their point of view. When you're looking at a ball delivered like that. Neto put the one in, like we mentioned earlier, at the very end. Very different type of cross. But whipped in to feet at speed with a bit of swerve on. We don't do that. Mm. I mean, it was a well-worked goal. But also, like, it was kind of easy for them. The big man held it up, laid it off. There was only one pass available, which was to the man that Samedo was 20 fucking yards away. Like and then, as you say, he never got over anywhere near quick enough to try and even stop the cross. He, he had a very easy job on putting that ball into the box. You know, he had a fucking day and a half to pick out a pass. And then um, it was Edward, wasn't it, who scored the first goal? Like he just beats Kilman quite easily. Kilman shouldn't be letting him get across him. Shouldn't be letting him get goal side of him there. That's fucking rookie mistakes. But I feel like all of our defence currently, they just feel like proper. 50-50 players. I mean, like, everything they do, you're never 100% sure that they're actually going to win it. If the ball comes into the box for a header, they might win it, they might not. Like, I don't feel confident at all. I feel like they win 50% of the headers, they win 50% of the tackles. But that's that's just too big to too big a gap to allow people into. So you're always playing on, on the, you know, the toss of a coin, whether or not we're going to actually concede a goal. And those three goals, I think all three of them were avoidable, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it, was, third... it all came down to a stupid error here, a stupid error there that probably should have been dealt with a lot better than it was. I mean, the third one, he sat Kilman on his ass. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and... But there, there were plenty of players before he got to yeah. Edward for that who should have been cutting it out. So again, it was everybody losing their 50-50. And I mean, like, is... I mean, watching the third goal back as well. Yeah, he sits on his ass, but it's also a very good finish as well. And I think that's the thing that I we find don't do so... either. Yeah, that's what I find so frustrating. It's like the amount of times we watch Wolves concede, you go, I can't imagine scoring a goal like that. And there's something about that third goal where you know he basically has the freedom of a penalty box to kind of come inside do a dummy and then cut it back into the bottom corner. And I can't go, which of our players scores that goal? Genuinely, like, what, which, what, which of our fields? Neto, if he's prime Neto, from the opposite flank, hmm. maybe. That is, yeah. But that, that we're talking to Neto who hasn't done that for... Three two, years. Two, yeah, for two, two years at, at minimum. And yeah, that's... That's worrying. I mean, it just goes to show that we just don't see Wolves score very often. Um, well, no, we do. We just see them score headers. Because <laughs> I tell you what, it's going to be understated, but Huang's header was a fucking work of art. 
Even though it come mm. off his shoulder, but it yeah, yeah, it doesn't count. We don't right. We score goals off shoulders. <laughs> That's did it against Everton. Right, it's a like lovely old job. Proper good set piece goal. I know that's something that people are using against Wolves at the moment, but we score goals from set pieces. But you know we wouldn't what? have any. I, mm. Yeah, yeah. In fairness, though, I mean. We've gone years without scoring from set pieces. Like we'd never really look that dangerous when we get a corner or anything. So it's nice to have that, even if that's pretty much all we've got at the moment. But at least it's something. It's something you can actually build on, isn't it? So you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a weird stick to beat people with. You're only scoring off something, like, but at least we're scoring, which is yeah, right. more than what we've you're said right. for the last two years. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it does feel like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, pick on Wolves for not scoring many goals. Take it as well. I mean, I, I thought, I, I can't remember if it was in the same, was it an athletic article? I'm slightly paraphrasing in terms of Wolves, Wolves score a lot of consolation goals and goals from set pieces. It's like, well, don't really score any, to be honest. I think sort of mm. drilling, I think drilling down into the goals that we do score when they are effectively meaningless doesn't have as much weight as working out why we don't score any at all. <laughs> if we're winning if we're winning games and they all seem to be from set pieces, um then yeah, I could arguably see it. But yeah, me, me having an old man gripe about um about Wolves not scoring many goals, I, I guess. But no, it, I found it enjoyable. Um again, the set Palace's second goal. It, it's like what you said, Andy. It was a battles of 50 50s and just poor communication and people running from midfield from Palace's point of view. And SA bursting past Lamina effectively. And I always try and look at goals when we can see this. Yeah, how do Palace, you know, how would Palace achieve that goal? And you know, Roy Hodgson would love that goal because it's a proper training ground patterned mm. goal. In terms of getting, basically, getting your striker to create a big lump of space, getting the ball in behind, having your, you know, your star midfielder run on to finish it. But classic Hodgson. Yeah, and it's only every day where you get an assist from your back either, is it? So, which again, you're just rubbing salt into the wound. Um, but fact remains that yet again, we ain't got anyone who does that kind of thing. No one, none yeah. of our players would run from deep and, and finish like that. Just won't. Mm, no, that's that's a good point. I mean, you look at our midfield too. That if that graphic that you put up earlier, the average positions aren't they both on the halfway line? Like, yeah, they're never going to yeah. be looking for. They're always going to be looking over their shoulder, and Sarabia is not going to be breaking into the box because he's slower than I am, and Neto was getting chalk on his boots, so. Yeah, that goal's never going to come from a Wolves perspective, is it? Yeah, uh, we did have a, a good comment on uh, YouTube early when we were talking about the midfield, actually, from um, Fancast and Josh Lem, uh, who says, it feels like our midfielders are all or nothing. Lamino will go as a bait, can be basically extra defenders. And it sort of feels, I, I completely agree with that, but I think mm. sometimes they can just be extra forward players. But, but, like, I don't feel I need to split from responsibilities, but we do need someone who can just plug that defence because it's not super strong yet and be that third centre-half, be that third defender. Um, and, and, of course, he sort of says, 
uh, Bellegarde needs to be the link, mm. and I sort of think he will be in terms of being that uh, being that runner. Um, um, I say I don't know if this is somewhat quite breaking news, um, but I believe that Podence has su- might have secured a move to Olympiacos. <laughs> Oh, okay, well. going Bands back and to see where, where it came from. Mm. I mean, much? I, just like you want to, Andy. I don't mind Pedence, and I think he we would have been better with him yesterday than without him. But I also understand why people do hate his goods as well because he's a very frustrating player. Mm. But at least, at least he has a, a shot, and like the odd time when yeah, watch the match she's like at least he knows where the goal is that's what she always says about him at least he knows where the goal is and that's something that can't be said for you know 10 out of the 11 players on the pitch I yeah think it, it also <laughs> i mean i was kind of harsh on him on friday but it is you've been drinking glad, well no i just don't <laughs> like him but <laughs> 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 um i think it's it says it all that he's ended up back in Greece and he's not this superstar that everyone seems to think he is. Just because he scored in a team that was absolutely woefully shit doesn't mean he's any good. He was just better than the others. Um, hopefully now we have got people in who can do that job and when Sasha is fully fit and if Fabio's used properly, maybe we won't need to even talk about Prudence anymore, but thankfully it's all over now. So that's the main thing. But you can't tell me that Pedence is worse than fucking Sarabia. I'm sorry, but I just I'm not seeing this at all. They both try and do very similar things on doing their flicks mm. and trying to create space and what have you. But at least Pedence was successful with it. Sarabia just sort of stands around, and if it doesn't come off or it doesn't come close enough to him, he won't make the run. He won't make the move. I'm sorry, but I definitely would have kept him over Sarabia. I, I think that's just a weird fucking move, to be perfectly honest, for us to be pinning our hopes on Sarabia over someone like Pedence. I'd rather take a, a Pedence who's usually somewhere between a six and an eight than a Sarabia who's usually about four, unless we're playing League One opposition and then our fans start wanking off over him because he gets three assists against fucking Blackpool for crying out loud. But again, look where he played against Blackpool. We We, we haven't seen that in the Premier League. He hasn't played in the middle properly. Because he's got no fucking strength. That... He cannot play in the yeah. middle, though, can he? He needs oh, to, we, we I don't think. Know. That's we the don't only know. position that he can do for us. But he's just a fucking pussy. Like, Which is he what... never gets stuck in. And it's so infuriating. I can absolutely see why Dan hates his guts. Because he's the most annoying player in the team at the moment. By a Which while. is why I think I think the four-two-three-one thing that was mentioned earlier... With Belgard as well, we've actually got players to play 4-2-3-1 now properly. Mm. And one of him, Sarabia, Cunha, maybe even Fabio are there just to do something. Just to do something that's not nothing. <laughs> and mm. at least to, because you can pull the strings there. You don't have to run around, especially if you've if you play if you've got two midfielders behind you anyway. And you've got options up front. Maybe that is the way to go. But I, I don't know. I don't like him playing it wide either. And we saw why because he, he was bought. He was bought as a some kind of number ten hybrid, and he's never. He's barely played there. And if he has, he's played with Cunha, who is the same player. 
and they occupy the same space. It doesn't make any sense. And until we've actually seen any of them on their own with actual other players around them, I think we can really judge. Because Cunha, other than his goal, I don't think he was that great yesterday again either. No, Cunha, when Cunha's played with Silva, I don't think either of them have particularly worked. Because no, they work. try to occupy, you said earlier, they try to occupy the same positions. And it just does not work when you've got those two. Because they both want it deep and to take it forward. And Cunha's the better of the two at that, which is why Silva's getting crowded out. But Cunha doesn't then have a striker with him in order to play off. So that's why that's not working, I think. For me, it needs to be Kalajic and yeah. one or the other. Preferably Cunha at the moment, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. We, we, we do need a beam pole up front, in my opinion. Just to you say to be that centre point and kind of go, yeah. guys, I, I will stand on the edge of the box for you. I will stand the furthest forward on the defender, <laughs> just play it to my feet, and I'll play it back to you until we get high off the pitch and swing it in the box for me. But it, it, it seems so simple, doesn't it? But I mean, <laughs> that is what we're missing, isn't it? You are you know, spot on, Rich. You know what kind of manager would do that as well? Fuck off, the shit. king. <laughs> the king would do that. If that's me. No, and, uh, you know what? It's, it's really interesting because um, I was listening to a rugby podcast earlier. Um, ahead of the Rugby World Cup, sorry for switching codes for a minute, but it's saying about uh, New Zealand a lot of the time that they don't always have an intricate way of playing. It's that they pass to space, and you know they do they do the simple things really well. It's not about having you know multiple you know diverted runners and things like that. And I sort of think that sometimes we do overcomplicate it sometimes, and you know. I, my only sticking point, bearing in mind we've just had a transfer window and we've pulled off some signings, hopefully some really good ones, is if you don't play Sarabia right wing, who do you play there? Who Who is naturally the best fit to be there? And I'm not saying I think it should be Sarabia, but it does feel a bit of a misstep in this team at the moment balance wise because I think everyone's kind of in agreement Neto's a better left winger than he is a right winger and I think he had a really solid game yesterday say being an actual left winger just keeping the keeping the width but what you need on the other side if you've got one player keeping the width you sort of need that right winger and I thought this would be Sarabia's role in the team for me is he'd be an inside forward and he'd be someone who would just leech off that back post for whether it's Bueno whipping in balls or whoever, that he just scoops up anything at the far post and he's got the technical attributes and the goal-scoring um, ability, as he sort of showed a couple of seasons ago, to just poach those goals because we've got the ability on that one side and we don't on the other. Or he just operates a little bit more century to give your right back or right wing back a bit more space. And I don't know, it... I'm really impressed with how they've made, you know, what they did to pull uh, the team together um, in, in transfer-wise. But that right wing spot, I think, is still an issue um, until kind of proven otherwise. Everywhere else, you can see the balance, you can see the fit, you can see the chemistry. I don't know who you play. Uh, if either of you can tell me, I'm all, and if it's an 18-year-old Paraguayan... <laughs> then I'm going to be a bit sceptical until one of us sees him play. I think, it, in a weird way, I think Sarabia would probably benefit from 
with playing with Doherty in a, in a weird yeah. way because yeah, no, I'd get that because you've got someone there with freakish pace who doesn't look like he's got pace at all, even at his age. <laughs> who, I mean, other than just playing Doherty right wing, which is probably going to happen soon. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't rule that out. <laughs> but someone who who will actually go in the wing and cross the ball over and get himself further upfield. Samedo doesn't do that, and he's never done that. That's not his game. So, but, yeah, he can't cross for shit, can he? So it's a bit but, pointless. Yeah, and in that in that point in that point, when Sarabia's got the ball, he's got no one to play one twos with because there's no no one else up there with him. If you've got some a, a fullback overlapping like Doherty does, maybe then you bring the best out of him, and then he can cut in deep in more centrally and, and get a shot off that way. But it, it's just a system of it's systematic of this whole farce of a team. You've got you've got players who really we really shouldn't be relying on to bring in to make others better because they can't do it on their own. Mm. And maybe maybe having Enzo as if he turns out like we hope, giving him complete full reign of that half of the pitch and Tomato just doesn't cross the halfway line. Maybe that works. Who knows? Maybe he's got the skill to do that, which is fair enough. If he has. But like you said, Rich, we just don't know yet. Part of me wonders for that right wing spot, why not Hwanga? Why not get him there playing the inside forward role? I know he's yeah. predominantly right-footed and you want a left, ideally. But I do think he's probably the best option and he's kind of proven to be our best goal threat so far this season. <laughs> so yeah. of the players we know about, he's probably the one I would want there. Um, Enzo, we don't know. We've only seen YouTube clips. He looks a bit smash mouth, which might work. Or dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that might work. But also, I wonder about Belgard whether or not he's going to be taking that sort of um, Mateus Nunez role. Mm. The one where it's sort of on the right, but not quite that area of the pitch. I wonder if maybe that's what he's been bought in for if they're going to do the. The midfield box, you know, the four-two-two-two, you know, whatever the trendy one is at the moment. I wonder if that's <laughs> going to be his role going forward. I mean, there's still a lot of questions on how the newbies are going to fit into the team, um, you know, other than the centre half. Obviously, we know what that's all about. So, yeah, it's a it's a question mark, but I think there's quite a few options there that could be used. Yeah, uh, I I agree, and I was going to say I think the next two weeks are going to be pretty pretty vital because the other thing is I sort of headlined the show by saying we weren't completely awful and you know that the stats kind of agree to be honest in terms of it but I think Dan described it as dominating without dominating um Andy if I have to associate one phrase with you um I was gonna say something really offensive then um it, it's <laughs> it's um all fast and no shit Mm, that's and, exactly what that is, isn't it? Looking at it, yeah. And you know, we've got the possession, the shots are a bit mm, less so, but when you've got more passes, high completion passes, um, and things like that, you, you do kind of go. We, I can see Gary O'Neill is trying to do something with them, mm -hmm. he's trying to coach them and trying to implement a style on them, but they're still, they're, they're, it, it screams still work to be done. Yeah, I mean, when you look, like we were the U18 yesterday, so you don't expect to have the 
what was it, 57% possession. That's, that's a healthy amount of possession to have. The past statistics were pretty damn good, to be perfectly honest. And even the shots, like 12 shots away from home, well, that's all right, to be honest, but four on target. Mm. <laughs> and one of those did happen to come off our striker's shoulder rather than his head. Yeah, that's that's a little bit concerning for me. Yeah. Um, time will tell. Um, I mean, just to kind of quickly wrap up, it's, again, in line with what we sort of says, everyone keeps talking about uh, where we need to root in where we need to improve. Um, we keep arriving in the box, but we're not, we weren't overly threatening yet. We're very aware, even though we created a few chances. Um, I, I get it. And, you know, I'm saying Eze and Edward gave us a lot of issues uh, when they uh, turned us over in silly areas. And there's only so long we can just kind of say, yeah, we're just getting punished. We see really little mistakes. So, what are we doing to stop them? And, you know, may, maybe Santi Bueno's for the guy to do it, and we go, you know, we go back to a, uh, you know, three four three three five two, um, and kind of, you know, roll it back as it were. Um, but we're gonna take a short break, guys. Uh, a few more bits to talk about, including um, Nunez's goodbye post, um, which I feel like we're gonna want to get our teeth into, guys. Uh, so we'll be back in just. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flatter to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. A quick second. Hello, welcome back, everybody. Um, as I kind of mentioned, we'll, we'll do a fun one. So, of course, uh, Matthias Nunes left Wolves at the end of last week, and it took him a few days, and I think this upset quite a lot of people. I'll be honest, I couldn't give a shit um, how long it took him to put out his obligatory social media post. Um, but, um, guys... <laughs> Have you both seen what uh, Rateus had to say? Yeah. Mm. Uh, for those who haven't, I won't read it. Uh, yeah, you know, sod it. We've got time. I'll read it out fully. The time has come to say goodbye to a club that allowed me to play best league in the world and to a club whom I always have deep admiration and respect for, for a club you decide to go on strike from training for five days. Um, thanks to Wolves, for staff and my teammates, and especially the extraordinary fans for their unwavering support unwavering and heartwarming enthusiasm and support 
He's not been around walls too long. Um, I really appreciate the meaning of uh, the word commitment. <laughs> mm, uh, this is uh, I'm struggling, guys. Here, I'm not going to lie because um, mm. I don't want to break down every point like it's my dad wrote a porno. Um, but fuck me, uh, <laughs> this is uh, where it was like, and and that was always um, and that was always present in my daily attitudes over a year, um, and that will remain in my memory forever. Um, I I could have a lot to say about the real reason for my departure and how it happened. But I will only say that fans deserve all my respect, affection, and deep admiration. Everything happens for a reason, however incomprehensible it may seem at first sight. Uh, but in the future, I am sure we'll clarify. And probably at that time, everyone without ex- uh, expect, uh, exception will understand the reason for this last trouble break. Thank you, Wolves fans. I'll never forget you. <laughs> I mean, I, I've wrote some bullshit in my time before, both on the fan cast and otherwise. Oh, that, that's the biggest load of shite I've read in a while, though. And I, and I read an interest, and I and I read a blog earlier that really. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, the thing about the real reason and trying to stoke the fires, and because everyone knows how paranoid we are, um, and that we'll lap this stuff up. Well, it didn't work, did it? Because not one, not one single person bought into this at all that I saw. Everyone was pretty unanimous, just telling to fuck off again. Um, it just it just doesn't wash that it. I mean, it was it was obvious what he did. He went on strike to get away because his head had been turned. Fine, why don't you just own it rather than come out with some PR led bollocks like that I that think, no one I, believes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know the thing that annoys me. It's like yeah, t- time will tell. Time will tell. Time, uh, that will allow. Time will give me the space. To showcase why I did what I did, or better still, just tell us. Because mm. even if you went, I've got deep respect for the club. I felt I had to, you know, force the situation. This is a dream move for me, and one I think, you know, genuinely couldn't turn down. You know, even if he came out with some, you know, drivel like, you won't understand because you're not a professional footballer or whatever, or I'm from. You know, wherever I've had this background, I, I, I don't, I, I cannot do this. I have this level of expectation of what I want to do in my career, and I, this is an opportunity too hard to pass up. And I felt this was the only way to be able to get uh, to make this. I'd, ha- I'd have a level of respect for him, and that's his reasoning, as you said. That's why he went on strike. Just say it, and you know, he could say, I, I, I'm sorry for the impression and. and potential disrespect that you may have felt you know the i'm sorry you were offended line mm. I'd, I'd, I'd i'd you know I'd, I'd get over that bullshit but sort of the whole you know everyone without exception will just know you just know as i sit on the bench at man city for 33 games this season mm. and mm. yeah that 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 was a a lovely note to leave a player leave on, if you ask me. It was. I mean, he was always going to get his transfer. And even when we rebuffed the first one, by all accounts, the clubs were still talking. It wasn't a case of no, and we're not welcoming any more beats. It was a case of that's not enough, but 
let's keep talking and we'll, we'll come to an agreement. He was always going to get what he wanted at the end of the day on this one. And yet, if he came and said, look, my head's not in the right place. I'm not going on strike, but I'd like to just be taken out of the firing line for a few days to just get my... I'd sort of respect that a little bit rather than literally downing tools, throwing your toys out of the pram and then coming out with some airy-fairy bullshit in your statement. The whole, well, stuff's going on, but, you know, we can't talk about it, but just just know that I didn't do it because I hate your guts. I didn't do it because I'm a selfish. <laughs> but that's exactly what it was. It was all me, 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 and that was all it was ever going to be. And now the fans are just going to give him abuse. But I've seen quite a bit on Twitter from Man City fans and pundits from Man City are all like, shouldn't have done that. Don't like that he's done that. It's made us look bad. Because it does reflect badly on City that they've come mm. in, they've unsettled a player because they're mega books and they can do that to anybody. So that's going to put a lot of other people's backs up immediately. So I can understand why City fans don't like that. And I think that's a massive reason why he's done it, is to appease the ball fraud up north. Yeah, I mean, Man, Man, Man City have, uh, have had the no dickhead policy basically since Balotelli and have worked really hard mm. in terms of the PR of their signings to make sure that they're not signing bad apples, that they're not just going out of their way to, you know, um, you know, they, let's say five years ago, they weren't trying to sign um, Icardi. You know, they, they were staying well, they have stayed well away from any signings who could cause them an inch of controversy since having the likes of Tevez, since the likes of having Balotelli. Now, I think how Man City went about their business with Wolves reflects badly on them because, again, they've usually been quite coy in terms of, you know, how they necessarily went after Jack Grealish, but they essentially ascertained how much his get-out fee was in in terms of his release clause in the Champions League came came looking after him. It seemed to be fairly amicable from what I understand about Calvin Phillips as well. This just seemed to be we've laid down a marker, and it's near enough. It's near enough to evaluation for you to to make the player think that we're being serious, but nowhere near enough to make you accept. And that will turn ahead. And I think that so it's not mm. for me it's not reflected well on them, but. We got to move past it, haven't we? In a way, um, because yeah, I just can't wait until is it 20th of September, Stu? 30th, 30th, because Sam Santi Bueno is going to be in the team at that point. <laughs> um, he looked, he uh, honestly, I've, ne- I've not watched him play, but he looks like my sort of player. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't know what it is, but I've already nicknamed him the butcher of Uruguay because he looks yes. like that's going to be his nickname. <laughs> Like he's he's gonna get a red card. Because I, mean, I, I, I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know when it's gonna happen. It's gonna be glorious. But we could have like you know this, him and Jao Gomez and Lamina. In theory, is a frankly terrifying prospect. Um, in terms of kind of coming up against in a in a uh, pitch side brawl, in my opinion, and I, I'm all for it. Um, he's going to have a Jody Craddock moment as well, where we're going to see him with the headband on, oh, covered in he, blood. Somebody he, else's blood as well. He will bleed for this team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, he, but, he's already a hero oh, when he's even kicked a ball. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah exactly. I feel like we, I feel like we're talking up so much. And he's got. I'm, uh, you, I'm always like this when it comes to new signings, uh, but 
yeah, him, I think he could be something because I don't know. I don't know whether he's the heir apparent to Dawson or what, but I don't know. Um, I think between because we we haven't really talked about we didn't really talk about Max Kilman um, in the first part of the show, and I think I kind of want to just round up August, and I think he's one of the big talking points of it because I think there's a lot of questioning of him now that more so now that he's captain, and the fact that he is a quiet captain is something to um, be uh, derising of. Um, what are your sort of thoughts of, you know, well, five games, including a League Cup game, as Max Kilman as captain? Because um, I have opinions, but I realise I ramble on and give my opinion first without asking you guys. So <laughs> I'm going to gauge my opinion on what you two both say. I've got no real problem with it. I mean, you have... In... Not everyone can have a Paul Ince or a Conor Cody, can they? There's not many people who are like that, any, regardless. I mean, Sars a bit mad, but having goalkeepers as captains is weird anyway. I don't particularly like that. Harry Kane is captain for England. He doesn't really speak that much. Um, he's not that kind of vocal captain, is he? Mm. Used to, it I, doesn't, I it shouldn't it... matter, should he? That's the point. It shouldn't yeah. matter. But the fact that... <laughs> I think if you sum up August... I wouldn't be remotely bothered if we had Santi Bueno and Totti Gomez starting against Liverpool in two weeks' time because neither of them have covered themselves in any kind of glory whatsoever. I feel like Kilman, because I don't think um, Dawson's played particularly well so far this season. He's he's looked like the player that I was a little bit worried about him becoming with his age. Like his positioning's been a bit iffy. He's not winning the headers that he was. I, I don't know. But I feel like Kilman's trying to do absolutely everything for everybody. I think I said yesterday, like, he's Superman in it because he's trying to cover everybody. And at that point, he's just making himself look awful because he's got no positional awareness by doing that. As far as him as captain, the captain's armband's nothing but really a tokenistic gesture, is it? Like, you can be a leader of the team you can be an organiser of defence without wearing the captain's armband. I don't think that's a prerequisite for, for anything other than you're the face of this club. It's a bit like, like Neves. I don't think Neves was a great captain, realistically, but he was the face of Wolverhampton Wanderers for hmm. the Fosun era, pretty much. And Kilman feels like he's just the next one of that. You know, he's a young, you know, part British because got a bit of everything in us, and they so. He just sort of fits the mould on what Wolves are going to be now under Gary O'Neill, potentially. So I think it's nothing more than a tokenistic gesture to give him a captain's armband, personally. Yeah, um, I'm so glad you both agreed with how I was going to say it. But, you know, my thing about I I don't quite understand this whole um, he's a quiet captain, (laughs) which, you know, all right. This is a high, this is a stretch, and I appreciate it, and I'm certainly not going to clip it. There's a certain fairly quiet captain who lifted the World Cup for England. <laughs> like, you know, with, with respect, the literally the greatest captain for England was not a big shouty leader of men. He was a he was an exemplary captain, though, and he led with authority. And I think that's it. And I, I don't know, maybe Harry Kilman comes off, he doesn't exuberal authority um, in the same way I guess other people do but 
I think with issues, issues, situations like this, I don't think it, it's not an issue if you're winning or when you're playing well. It wasn't an issue mm. against Man, Man United when you put in a great display. Was it an issue then? It wouldn't have been an issue on um, on Wednesday, on Tuesday night when we beat Blackpool, but it's an issue now. Um, but I sort of think if you're not um, uh, had a YouTube comment come in who um, has basically just stolen, I say stolen my point, has come up has come to the same conclusion as me. You know, you don't need to be a shouter, but you do need to set the tone. Mm. And I think if you're not that organised, if you're not that vocal leader, if you're kind of leadership style is to set the standard then you kind of need to set the standard and i don't think he's necessarily been doing that but i don't think he's necessarily had the assistance to do that and i think whether genuinely whether we go back to a back four to give vote get because i think it would help dawson out as well potentially as well whether that gives him that bit of a platform i don't know um but yeah we, we will see um, in terms of that, um, before we go on to our um, uh, question from Twitter corner, um, I, it, it, it bears mentioning. I don't want to delve too deeply in it, guys. Um, but unfortunately, Wolves did tweet after the game that we're very disappointed to report that one of our players was the target of uh, discriminatory abuse by an opposing fan during today's game with Palace. They did mention that they've been in contact uh, with the police and have given witness statements and stuff like that. And I just kind of want to mention it if I any thoughts of a fan cast that most people don't deserve to watch football. And, you know, I, I don't know what thing was said, but if you feel that you need to do that as a Wolves fan um, and you listen to this show, feel free to kind of, you know, click and follow. Yeah. And it, fair play to Palace as well. that They dealt with it really quickly and yeah. immediately. Yeah. And yeah, but that happened right last, that, that happened two years ago with Wang as well. Exactly the same thing. Just again for a, a club that's based where it is, you'd think they'd have better more common sense, wouldn't you? Um but you would, it's always, but let's it's, be it, honest. It's always there's, there's a lot of fucking lot, lot of London clubs who are just full of cunts. So <laughs> yes, like, I, I, yes, I don't want to say do I don't want to say London's full of it, but there certainly is a running theme when it comes to certain clubs in the capital where it's full of shitheads. That's yeah. fair. Fair. Um, right, let's finish off the show by having a, a quick question from Twitter Corner. Um, from King Wolf 84 Has the international break right time to allow Gary O'Neill to spend two weeks on the training ground with the players? Also, don't forget Wednesday night, uh, Walls women at home. Um, at Telford United versus Stourbridge, and they'd love for as many Wolves fans to come as possible. So let's talk for the next couple of weeks. What do we think is going to change? <laughs> um, it can't be the same. That's that's the only thing that you can say. <laughs> um, hopefully, I mean, to be fair, I'm probably being a bit harsh on with him. And the fact that he had four or five days before the first game of the season. So and we saw what happened with the World Cup break where you had a manager with time with the players together. And we haven't got that many going out um, for international call-ups, amazingly. Um, <clears throat> so using it as a, another mini pre-season, it can't, it can't be a bad thing, can it, really? 
and especially like you said, Richie, about the the new signings, bedding them in. You can already see that they've got a bit of um, like on uh, Cunha's Insta stories the other day about the little posters that they put all over mm. Joe Gomez's locker, and you can see What's they've that? got the um, the lols and the trolls in the dressing room are back if they were ever gone. You integrate the new guys in there, work on a bit of shape, a bit of shooting maybe, if, if we can have some kind of miracle like that. It, if we, if we, in two weeks' time we come back playing against Liverpool and it's exactly the same, you're going to stop getting people asking serious questions because this is the right time to work on things now. Hmm. I mean, it's the first time that Gary O'Neill's going to have to, like, slow down and catch his breath isn't it as you say he didn't even have a week before the season started and if they the matches come thick and fast so this is the first time that he can actually collect his thoughts i'm kind of intrigued what kind of um icebreakers they'll be getting the players to do to introduce each other whether or not it'll be a case of you've got to pair up and you've got to tell me about your partner or if they'll have to do uh, build a tower out of um, newspaper or something like that to get the teamwork <laughs> going so, some classic uh yeah. Base what is your? I was going to say, what is the most notable? We won't go best or worst. Most notable team building exercise you've had to do? Because I've I've got one, guys. Uh, but I will start off. Um, we did a team building session once, and we had to like write down, um, not like objections we we get in like sales and things like that. Like on little bits of paper, and we had to put them in balloons. And <laughs> the, the the chairs were set up as a like a square. I was going to say a square, so it was a big hole in the middle. And we had to all put them in the middle, and like we carried on throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, we had to like stamp on the balloons and like burst it, literally burst the negativity, burst the objections out of the way. A bit turned out half people did wow. not tell the balloon, loads of balloons being popped. <laughs> That was just this... awful to yeah, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, got, yeah, yeah, yes, due to your uh question, yes, of course, it was. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I, like, I, I've never had anything that bad, it's always just been you're all new here, and you know, you pair off with somebody else, you have to ask each other questions, and then you've got to give five facts to the group about your partner, oh. and it's pulling teeth because. I couldn't give a fuck about what my partner thinks about anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm not there to make friends. I'm there to work. So just leave me alone. But there you go. You have to get stuck in, don't you? Go on, Stu. You must have had, you must have had one of these. I've never, I've, I've never had one of these. I've never done oh. one. It's refused. <laughs> just no. Just, yeah, just no. There's no need. Again. Oh. I only said that the, they're not your friends, and if they are the, your friends, then you'll see them when you choose to, anyway. See, I don't mind team building exercise when they're used to somewhat help build a team. If it's a mandatory activity to do, then yeah, it it is pluck it, plucking teeth, as a, as you'd say. Um, mm. That's probably a good place to end the show on plucking teeth, to be honest, because it kind of goes full circle on being a Wolves fan. Um, we'll hopefully be back in the next week or so. Um, hopefully we can sort of bring over an ad hoc pod episode um, of our choosing. Um, if not, we'll be 
back in a couple of weeks' time, guys. Um, make sure you do keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast. We're putting out loads of content on YouTube with our reaction shows, our preview shows. Thank you genuinely so much uh, for everyone who's tuned in uh, to the shows this season. Um, I think pretty much like all our shows have managed to get like over a thousand or nearly a thousand hits, and that, that's such a big thing for us as a channel, us as a group that we've kind of like, we're sort of hitting these milestones now and it can't be done without you guys. So big love, big thanks. And do make sure if you're not ready to hit that like and subscribe button. It, it does help uh, grow what we're trying to do and get the word out there. Um, it's not just for reaction shows. We have got things like Goody's Tactical Analysis where we've got Minecraft YouTube shorts as well. So there's loads of fantastic, fantastic content that you can really get your teeth into. If you haven't found a shirt, online here's where you can find it it's been scrolling across your screen for the last 70 minutes guys but if you're unsure it's at wolves fancast and that's at twitter it's at facebook it's at instagram it's at tiktok it's on the website for wolvesfancast.com and it's at youtube as well so you get all your places to get your wolves hits until next time though it is goodbye from andy see ya and it's goodbye from Stu. Before we go, I will just say, no, 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 no. I, love it. I just because now will get mad at us. If Wolves women were playing at Molyneux on Wednesday, I would have definitely gone. But Telford's a bit of a pain in the ass to get to, so sadly I won't be there. Um, and remember, kids, if you are going to write a blog, don't act like a twelve-year-old. Write like an adult. Goodbye, everyone. See you next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs>